Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Corey Chavis, We'll talk about Vanderbilt's loss to Wake Forest and then the game ahead with Northern Illinois. Corey appears on the guest line that's presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a longtime Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, made-to-order items such as a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, Give Michael a call, 615-830-9548. Now on to our interview with Corey Chavis. Corey Chavis joins us tonight for an abbreviated version of the podcast. Corey, hope you're well. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks a lot, C. I'm looking forward to, always look forward to joining you, and this this will be no other no, no different again. Give me your thoughts on what you saw from Vanderbilt in the Wake Forest game. Like uh, in terms of game control, uh, I think that's something that you're always kind of trying to factor in. Ebbs and flows in the first quarter, uh, but giving up the, the big pass play, I think that was something that kind of deflates you a little bit because it's a situation where uh, somebody makes a play down the field, and then that's happened now a couple of weeks in a row. Uh, that's a little bit of a shock, but I thought it was a – a decent recovery overall by the team uh, but being able to at least stay in there when they were able to jump out a little bit. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, you, you give up those big plays uh, early in a football game and, and those things are, you know, it's kind of punching the, in the gut a little bit. You got to pick yourself up off the mat. And I thought there were instances where they did and you could feel like the game was beginning to maybe turn back uh, the other way. I thought it was a pretty competitive first half, actually, and watching the entire game. And then the, I thought in the third quarter, there were some things that kind of got away from the team uh, overall, you know what I mean, in terms of, you know, how they ended up responding. Because in that third quarter, I think that's really when they were able to get a little bit more of the running game going. Uh, not really a successful running attack. I thought that the defensively, uh, the, the team did a decent job of stopping the run overall, but there were some some big runs that busted. When you had some missed tackles, um, and, and obviously you can't have that. Corey, that was our first extended look at A.J. Swan against a good team. What did you think of that? I thought he looked good. I thought that there was a pretty quick decision maker. I thought he was loose. Uh, I felt like uh, the quick release that, that you saw all camp uh, was in place. He's a natural uh, it just has a natural kind of feel for the game. And again, that release is so quick. Uh, it, it really enables you to do a lot in terms of uh, the quick passing game. He gets out of his hands pretty quickly. I thought the reaction in terms of the ball fake and then being able to flip his hips around and anticipator- have the anticipatory nature to kind of lead Shepard to a spot on the corner route was good. And I like the wheel routes. I thought both wheel routes were uh, very effective in terms of the timing. And, and certainly they were schemed up well by Joey Lynch. But, I mean, heck, heck if you've got a a, 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 a gimme, you know, in, in a couple of those cases, whether it was the ball uh, when, when he got open on somewhat of a, 
a similar type of concept releasing late. Uh, I, I think you got to be able to hit those, and I think he did. Uh, and so the, those were some positives from the game. He challenged down the field. Uh, and, and so there was a lot to like. He even was able to get in for the two-point conversion, showing that he can create when he instinctively, when he has to with his legs. Uh, but I thought it was a, a strong second performance. Uh, we saw him some against Hawaii late in that game where he threw the box fade to uh, body, uh, and that was a good throw. So I think every time we've seen him so far this year, uh, he, he's played up to what you would expect and maybe even beyond those expectations. Corey, we talked off air earlier in the week, and you had talked about some potential communication issues on defense that might be getting in the way of success. What are you seeing there? Well, I, I felt like there was one, what, there was a communication issue we mentioned last week where it was a guy that was playing underneath and there wasn't a safety over the top, and that ended up becoming into a little a pretty big play. Uh, and I think that was the B.J. Anderson side. And I, there was some stuff that I saw out here from the last game where it didn't really bite the team in, in the uh, really bite the team because he didn't see it in terms of Sam Hartman. In fact, I think on the play I was referring to in the red zone, Jeremy Lucian broke up the pass to, to A.T. Perry over in the end zone, which was an excellent play by him. But there was a drop coverage where Taylor Moran or Morin was open in the back of the end zone. And again, that's just something that uh, it, it, you have to be able to uh, to not give up those gimmies if they're going to be some communicative issues. And so that didn't really bite them as it had previously or any other weeks. And then, you know, I think there's some stuff that uh, people are going to have to communicate when you got an opportunity to get picked. And what I mean by that is the offense sets up a route where you've got close splits and then you've got to be able to get around traffic. You're not going to put yourself in an enviable position to be able to make a play at all if you don't have some type of communication uh, with the other defensive back or the other linebacker and things like that on some of those stuff. So those are things that happen early in the season sometimes. And, you know, you're kind of seeing some of those things for the first time, uh, not from the, that you haven't seen it in training camp, but in a real live game. How do you communicate when the bullets are flying and you've got uh, the formations kind of coming at you pretty quickly particularly if they speed up the pace at all. And so those are things that they're certainly going to have to continue to work on. Corey, we have a little bit of a quarterback controversy with the, the Swan versus Wright debate. We've talked about Swan, and, and we don't have much time, so I'm going to just kind of put that to the side for a while. Uh, do we have a cornerback controversy? You saw Jeremy Lucian start the second half in B.J. Anderson's place. Anderson had a pretty rough game against Elon and a rough first half against Wake. So what are you seeing there? Well, I, I felt like uh, in terms of for, for me, I feel like uh, that should be something that you could keep open. Uh, I think it will be a week-to-week thing. You want to certainly have some continuity because we just got through talking about communication. And so some of those things that maybe you saw weren't necessarily on a specific individual is more of the entire group in the communication and, and, a, and a lot of young guys back there. But I think it'll continue to be an open competition uh, as the season progresses. I think uh, Lucian put out some pretty good video from a week ago, but uh, certainly that's something that I wouldn't be privy to be able to answer. The coaches see it in practice every day. 
and they see they have an evaluation of the film and, and their evaluation really is the only one that matters. But I feel like uh, the competition in the secondary, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing that that competition will remain the, will remain in vogue or, you know, kind of be in style to a degree because uh, I think that's something you're going to have to kind of figure out. You're going to have to be able to, um, you know, rotate some guys in terms of depth if you are not able to create more of a pass rush. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Okay, Corey, you're very familiar with Northern Illinois, I think, or, or, or fairly familiar at least. You've seen him play a few times, I know. What do you think of that matchup this coming weekend? Uh, where might Vanderbilt struggle? Where do you think Vanderbilt's got a shot to succeed? Well, I mean, you got a shot to succeed against anybody. I, that, 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 that's the first thing, really. I mean, I don't think that I, – I, I still – I stick with what I said last week. I felt like they matched up well. And when I watched the game, that's what I kind of felt from even last week. I thought they matched up pretty well across the board. Again, a couple of those, those plays, big plays you take out, and it may be a little bit of a different story. And then giving some of those big plays away offensively uh, with just some bad decision-making by right. But – on this team right here, I feel like it's a physical football team. Uh, that's really what they make their bread and butter on. Uh, Thomas Hammock, uh, you know, like he was a running back in college, right? So he had back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, and I think he had 25 career TDs. So not only – and he played at Northern Illinois. So you're, you're going to get Ontario Brown, and, and I feel like he's somebody that's thick. Uh, and, and he can, he's somebody that kind of runs behind his pads. Uh, you know, he went to Birch High School out of Georgia. Uh, he actually was a 100-meter guy, even though he's a little bit of a thicker back. He ran 100 meters back then as well, first-team All-State. Uh, he's quick-footed with, with pretty decent hip swivel. Um, I, I, one of the things I liked about him and, and watching him play last year was that he has excellent contact balance. So he's a player that so far this year has been solid, you know, not necessarily going to be a game breaker, you know, to a large degree. But I feel like he's somebody that can kind of if he gets into a rhythm, you know, he can do some different things. Now, you kind of got the antithesis of him with Harrison Whaley, my five foot ten, hundred and ninety pounds. He's fast. You know, he runs a little tall, uh, but he runs hard. Uh, he's actually from Urbandale High School in, in, in Iowa. Uh, and he's been pretty productive. You go back to 2020 
Averaged about 4.3 a carry at over 400 yards that year. Then last season, uh, he had 570-plus yards and averaged almost 5.7 a carry. And that's kind of carried over into this season. Uh, it, it, in fact, his, his first 100-yard rushing game came against Toledo in December of 20. Uh, I think he accelerates off of double teams. They do a lot of double teams inside to get vertical. Uh, and, and you've been able to see that kind of pop on occasion. He's such a good change of pace to what you get uh, from Brown. So he runs hard and mad. I, I saw him against Michigan last year. He only he only had 34 yards, but he ran the ball hard in that game, kind of be misleading a little bit. He didn't play a lot last year, by the way. He only played in five games. Three of them he had 100 yards, and he's the backup. So that kind of gives you an idea about what he can bring to the table. And then they've got some offensive linemen that, that I kind of like quite a bit. One of them is Marcus Cox. Uh, he was probably, to me, the most impressive offensive lineman that they had a year ago. Uh, and I, and I, if he's not been injured, certainly probably going to be a guy that they're going to continue to run behind. Sometimes he plays a little bit straight leg, but uh, for the most part, he's got a, he does a good job on some of his reach blocks uh, on the outside zones that they like to run. He does overrun some of his second-level blocks, but uh, overall he keeps his legs driving on contact on the double teams. Had a knockdown block last year against Eastern Michigan in the second quarter. Uh, and then really when you look at him overall, uh, he's he's gotten some of the dirty work awards for this football team in terms of the coaches giving the player an award just for playing nasty. You, you know I like nasty. So uh, Yes, you do. Yes, and he's kind of a guy that that uh, you got to bring your lunch bell against him. I think he can play with anybody, and so uh, not necessarily the swiftest in pass protection, uh, but I think he's. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I think he's got a chance to play at the next level. You know a thing or two about nasty. Yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's all about being nasty, right? He it's might. You might have a van with nasty written on the side. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think nasty. If you're not nasty, you're not a football player. So nasty is what you want in terms of every football player has to be able to get nasty. And certainly Marcus Cox, uh, not bad when it comes to that. There's some other you're, linemen too that uh, that I like quite a bit on their their offensive line as well. You ready to get nasty with the mailbag? Yeah, let's go ahead, man, because I'm trying to trying to see who's going to get nasty in this Chargers and Chiefs game. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> well, the, the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in a nasty accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, <laughs> 615-846-6200, see what your rights are, and if they can help. That was low-hanging fruit right there. Okay, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> or if you take a nasty spill down the stairs, that's that's another way they could help you. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop while I'm ahead. Um, let's see. There's there's a lot of good ones. I'm trying to pick the best two or three. Um, okay, I like this one. J, JDL Cav says, "What trends are you seeing in the in game coaching so far?" He says, I'm not asking for value judgments, but what are you seeing that average Joe fan like me won't pick up on? 
Well, I mean, in terms of in-game adjustments, I mean, that's pretty broad over a three-game period. I think it's a great question. I'll give the the, the, the bag, uh, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but but I guess one of the things you may not see is if there are specific runs that might be giving a team a problem, then maybe you end up changing to a different front. If you end up running, for example, a split zone or what they would call a divide-type play where offensive linemen may be going in one direction to – then you have another guy kicking out the weak side. If that play's working and the running back's having a, a good feel for that, maybe they go to that. Or if they're seeing the defense play a little bit too far off and they're being a little soft in terms of really setting an edge, then maybe you get the screen game involved and, and things of that nature. Or maybe if they're starting to play a little bit inside technique, you go to an outbreaking route. They're playing a lot more man coverage, taking some of your shots outside. Then we talked about the wheel routes. There's a, there's a little bit of an adjustment. If you see, you might run the route, and they don't actually uh, realize that they've shown something that was open, and then they end up uh, coming back to the route a little bit later on. You kind of saw that really on back-to-back kind of plays in, in in the third quarter, I believe it was, uh, last week. So those were just some from a week ago. You can go on and on. But speaking of in-game adjustments, that play that I referred to with the corner out earlier that they didn't throw to uh, uh, Morin, the next play they came back and ran it, but they ran it out of a different formation. So that's an example of how they, how coaches see something upstairs that maybe you're not seeing at home, and then they go back to that play, and they, and they just get to that play a different way. So they went to the exact same concept the next play, different route, Different formation, they actually used a bunch set when they ended up scoring on it. The other one was just a regular two-by-two two set, if I'm not mistaken, when they when they dropped the corner out. Nobody was on it. So they just wanted to say, okay, well, let's see if you fixed it. And then they came back and ran it out of a different formation when they were playing man on the next snap. So that's an example of some stuff that you may not be seeing that, that's going on, I think, with coaches during the game. Okay, this one from NBA Door. Hey, Corey, it's Coach Steve Franks' son. Who is the best NFL prospect from each phase of this Vanderbilt team? Woo, another tough question. Uh, I mean, we've already kind of gone over Orgy. Certainly Mahoney. Uh, that's, those two stand out. Uh, and then the, when you go to the defensive line, you uh, when you talk about NFL prospect, I guess for me it's a little difficult because it might be somebody down the road, you know, maybe years from now that potentially could be. But I guess if you're looking for maybe an older guy, somebody that might be flashing a little bit, kind of want to see what Christian James continues to do up front um, as the season goes on. I think he's uh, hasn't really had a big year up until you know really having. I think he might already. If I'm not mistaken. James may already have a career high in tackles. I don't know if he's – I don't know necessarily if people are going to project him as a draft pick, but he might be able to get into a camp. If he can build on some of the stuff, he's starting to stack up a little bit now. Uh, but, again, those are down the road, you know, and Agu. Uh, there's, there's several other players I think me and you were talking about, Chris, up front um, in terms of guys that look the part, you know, that maybe – you're going to see, get some opportunities down the road. But on the offense side of the ball, Will Shepard at Ray Davis is another guy. Uh, 
And then there's a lot of defensive backs, too, corners who I think have an opportunity. Ricky Wright's another name. Uh, so, I mean, we could go on and on with these pro prospects. Um, I think that you might even get some uh, the, the tight ends. Uh, Bresnahan, you know, he's going to get some looks. So we'll just kind of see how the year plays itself out. But kind of got my eye on quite a bit of them. And certainly Matthew Hayball has a chance if he can be, you know, kind of replicate some of his repetitions. You know, taking a sidebar here for a minute, Devin Lee is back this week, and I'm going to be very interested to see what he looks like, how ready he is, because I thought in camp, like, he wasn't ready in pads, but he was doing some strength stuff on the side, and he just looks strong, and he, he looks, his body looks like an NFL defensive lineman. I don't know what his height is, but I'm going to be very interested to see what he can give them on Saturday, because I think they are expecting him to play. Well, more depth is always going to be good, especially in a game like this. Again, you know, this is a team that wants to run the ball. They want to win a certain type of way. Um, so I think that's something that you you kind of, you know, point towards the depth on the defensive line, being able to rotate some bodies. I think that'll help out, uh, particularly for the coaches and maybe some of the stuff that they want to game plan up, but particularly if they can – you know, stop the run and be able to get them in some predictable third down passing situations. I think that's a big way. Uh, and then you got to win some matchups. Now, I, I think they got some underrated receivers, Northern Illinois. They lost their best receiver to injury, but they still have got a pretty good receiver in Cole Tucker, uh, who's pretty physical. Um, he actually missed some time with injury a year ago, but he caught a touchdown against Michigan a year ago. Um, and he was a big third down threat for this football team a, a season ago, uh, particularly when I had him like late in the year. So, you know, he's a bigger guy, and, you know, and certainly the big thing that they've got an advantage of is that the defensive bats coach, Dan Jackson, was at Northern Illinois. So he's kind of giving those guys a pretty good, you know, taste of like, OK, here's what this guy presents or brings to the table. Okay, I'm going to end with this one so you can go watch uh, Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Um, Believe22 asks, what things does Vanderbilt need to do to win this weekend? What two things? Well, I think the number one thing that is, I believe that for me it's going to be paramount is stopping the run. Uh, that's something they did pretty well last week. I think Wake Forest average. 3.8 yards of carry, and that's considering they popped a couple of runs. So continuing to stay on that theme, I thought they defended the run pretty well at times. And then, you know, the big thing you don't want to do in this game, you know, we haven't talked about Rocky Lombardi. Uh, he's a little bit of a difference maker to me. Uh, not the prettiest quarterback. Uh, maybe doesn't – he's got a strong arm, but you don't necessarily get uh, everything that you want from a down-to-down -down perspective as accuracy comes and goes. Uh, the intermediate accuracy has always been an issue. So you have to make him win. you got to have tight coverage and make him throw it in the tight windows. Now, now the thing that's inter interesting about him, even if you go all the way back this time at Michigan State, is that he's gotten it done down the field at times as a passer. Uh, you know, I'm talking about I've seen him go up and beat Michigan just throwing the football down the field, and that was back uh, a couple years back. but. Uh, I'm telling you, the, the, the kid, he just kind of has the moxie and he figures it all out and he's gotten better. He can run 
And he was a wrestler. You know, you're talking about a guy that was the number one wrestler in the state of Iowa coming out of high school. That's who they have at quarterback, that kind of kid. So you kind of, you know, he, he, he can do some things in the zone run game. He'll shock you with the with a rocket pass from time to time. Uh, kind of a little bit of an X factor for them. And then they've got some pretty big tight ends that you've got to be able to get off of. If you're setting the edge this weekend, Sorahan, their tight end, plays personal protect on their punt team too. Uh, he's not a bad guy in terms of just being – I thought he battled Aiden Hutchinson on the edge pretty well last year. About six foot seven, uh, 260 pounds. Uh, and he's kind of a little bit of a, uh, an underrated guy. Because he's caught a touchdown this year and everything, but he's an underrated player in terms of their run game is what I'm referring to. Corey, appreciate your time tonight. Tell folks about Draft Nasty and all the stuff you do there. Well, I mean, we're, we're right now we've just uh, been on the road quite a bit uh, all over the place. And uh, In fact, we were just at Detroit and um, the Detroit and Philadelphia NFL game on Sunday. Uh, doing a bunch of uh, watching a bunch of guys that we have kind of um, evaluated over the last couple of years. So that was that was a great game. It was a, it was really fun to be there. And um, no, really, we we were also at Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Uh, never me, never a fan of Orange. I hate it with the passion, and I was really pulling for Pitt, and they kind of blew it. So. Uh, <laughs> But um, and then I saw Albert Pujols at six hundred and ninety six. Nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. A lot of players that I like on that baseball team. A lot of young players, particularly on the infield, and of course a Vanderbilt uh, grad center fielder Brian Reynolds doing his thing. I think when he went in that game, twenty one home runs, two fifty batting average. Uh, so a lot of lot of nice prospects young prospects that that uh that you were talking about years ago Chris getting it done in the majors now well Corey thank you for your time and we're looking forward to hopefully catching you next week well I can't let you get off the phone what did you think about the Wake Forest game before I go and what is your your take on this week and who should start at quarterback so I'm flipping it back on you give me three <laughs> quick ones before I get off I, I was disappointed. Um, I thought the mistakes were a killer. I, I thought they let momentum get the best of them. That, that six-minute stretch changed the entire game. Um, and I know I, I, didn't, I didn't think I realized it at the time. What's that? quarter? I said, which six-minute stretch? Oh, the, the one right at the end of the first quarter and start of the second that started with the pick six. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was disappointing. Um, obviously, the quarterback play was was disappointing. I, I thought they, I thought Wake was a better team. Um, you, you can't shoot yourself in the foot the way they did continually in that game. I, I know the uh, the play with At Barry, which was controversial, um, was kind of the death blow there too. It seemed like, um, you know, I, I I thought they were capable of better. That's an interference that he had. Uh, yeah, that's that's the take on my board for sure. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. That was clearly an offensive pass interference. That I believe that was against Lucian, right? Uh, I th- I don't oh, know if it was it? Lucian or B.J. Anderson. Okay, well, yeah, but well, either, they was... had they had two guys there actually. So yeah, um, yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was disappointed. Um, I think a lot of people thought they came away thinking they played better than I did. Uh, maybe it's just me. I, I think my bar of expectations was you really need to show up and either win this one or or at least take it deep into the fourth quarter um, to, to, to really convince me this team is is very much improved. Now, I, I know it doesn't work like that, right? Um, everybody has bad days, and maybe that was theirs. But I was I was just a little disappointed. I, I wanted more from them than I saw. Right, right. Well, and then the, on the other hand, if you go into the fourth quarter and you lose it, I don't. I mean, what what's the difference? You lose it by two, or you lose it by like the game I was at Detroit. You know, they they're all hyped going into the season, hard knocks, and then they lose by three. Does it really matter that you lost by three, or if you lost by you know fifteen or twenty? You know, I, yeah, I do. There's a little bit of. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been there on that side of it at Vanderbilt where you got all these close games and it looks great and you feel better about the loss and there's an excuse for you. But I think you can actually learn more from a loss where you may have not, you may have, it may have been bigger than the score actually indicates. But I think you can even yeah. coach more off of those types of losses to a large degree because you got, especially if you got three or four plays where you take those plays away. And then let's kind of look and see how that game flow. Because to me, it's all about game flow and giving yourselves a chance in the fourth quarter. So I, I thought the game flow kind of got away from them a little bit. And and that's kind of what you're referring to, that six minutes. Yeah. Well, and I thought with your teams, uh, my goodness, if, if the offense had matched the defense with competency, you, you probably would have been in a couple of Sugar Bowls. Well, you could say that, but we didn't create enough turnovers. So eh, you know, maybe, yeah, no question. I think that's something that we could have done a lot better. You stopping people, you getting off, you're just putting yourselves back out there more if you don't create turnovers. So I do yeah. think there's a there's certain things where you got to kind of pick up the other side of the ball. You know, I don't necessarily think the special teams was bad for us, but we could have made more plays in terms of getting the ball back for our offense. You know, because the the worst thing you can have on a football team is poor old me, we're doing this and they're not doing this. You know, and again, that was poor leadership at times from us. We could have been hmm. better in terms of leadership perspective. And that's just the bottom line. No, no matter how much we support those guys and in terms of everybody on the team as leaders, that's what that's what our job was. You know, we we did the best we could do more individually based but, you know, in terms of a morale st- standpoint, you got to be feeling the game on both sides. If offense and defense and special teams, you got to feel when that other, other unit's on the field. If you're not feeling when that other unit's on the field, then sometimes that's how games get away from you. Uh, what else did you ask me? The Northern Illinois, you expect a better performance, right? Oh, yeah, I, I, I do. Um... I just think this this is the kind of game I feel like they should win. That doesn't mean that they will. Um, and and no disrespect to Northern Illinois, I, I just don't know that you're going to see SEC level athleticism out of them like you're going to see against Ole Miss and Alabama and Georgia and some of those teams. So to me, this is one they really need to win. Right, right. I got what you're saying, and especially if I'm talking about their 
as talented as uh, again one of the things i'll say though i'll repeat and we didn't really get into their defense they've got a couple of guys on that side of the ball who i think are i, I really just think they were overlooked in the recruiting process and, and the main guy to me is, is james esther I, I mean he's a young kid uh but you're you're gonna he's where's number one from detroit michigan uh and, and to me I, I felt like he was a real deal dude, you know, so maybe, and again, maybe he hasn't played that way this year so far, hadn't really been active in the first couple of games, uh, but, uh, you know, I feel like he can be a guy that, you know, a lot of guys come out of that Cass Tech High School up there in Michigan, he's another one of those products, and for me, he, along with Ray Thomas, I think their defensive line's okay, you know, I, I really do, I think they've got some players. Um, that that can that, I think that's the best part of their defense. I think you got some mismatches if you can find them on and on the back end. It feels like Northern's got a, a pretty good coach too. He has turned that program around in just a couple of years. He's a hell of a coach, and I think you know he was a guy that coached in the NFL for a long time. You know he you know uh, and, and, and you know Kyle Uchek who was doing so well with the 49ers, He coached him. Uh, he was coached at Wisconsin for a while. He coached Monty Ball up at Wisconsin. Uh, he was five years as the Baltimore Ravens uh, running backs coach from 2014 to 2018. Uh, so, again, you're talking about uh, uh, from that perspective, you know, I, I'm, you got to feel pretty good about uh, kind of what they have overall. And, and I'm a big – I like their offensive coordinator, Eric Eisenis. Uh, he was at South Dakota State. He coached uh, Terry Christian, who was out there. Also, Dallas Goddard, who's played. I saw him on Sunday with the Eagles. Uh, so, a pretty good coaching staff, man. They've got a uh, – I think they've kind of changed some things up. They've got a new defensive coordinator this year. So, it, it, or not a new defensive coordinator, but another one to add on to Derrick Jackson. Um, and, and I think that will be interesting to see how they perform as the year goes on. I thought – uh, Tol- they they were able to they gave up some stuff to Tulsa, and so that should give Vanderbilt a lot of ideas offensively. Hey Corey, thank you so much for your time. Uh, looking forward to catching up with you hopefully next week when Northern Illinois is in the rearview mirror and uh, Alabama's straight ahead. Sounds good, man. You take care. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.